So I had an amazing, amazing, amazing chat with Andra. The hour went so quick. We didn't kind of realize that as soon as I noticed the clock, it was like an hour's long enough. But after, actually, we spoke for another 20 minutes or so, she has such amazing insight. And we also think quite uh, alike, actually, in the way we think communication matters in the way we present our technical know-how. It's all well and good throwing buzzwords and throwing keywords that's very much tech-oriented. But if the client or the person doesn't understand that, then what's the point? And she being a marketer that's in the cyber um, uh, space, cyber security space, it made me think about how, uh, again, made me think about how IT people um, and, and people in general talk tech without people understanding. And she really has some really interesting um, insight into the, the psychological uh, aspect of how we need to kind of educate people into how cybersecurity and security in general, social media, um, we actually talked about a whole lot, a lot of stuff, how it really impacts us and how we interact with our devices, our technology and stuff. It's really, um, I'm not taking anything away from any of my past uh, um, episodes, but this one, I got to say, was one of my favorite ones. And um, hopefully you enjoy it as well. Here's our conversation. I really wanted to talk to you because of that blog post you posted about security uh, and so on it was um security for freelancers was that was that correct yes yes it was a guide for security for freelancers yes so what prompted you to uh to write it basically oh i've developed several uh security guides for several kinds of you know different kinds of people but what prompted this particular guide was a story that i came across on twitter um it was a freelancer who got her identity stolen. Someone set, set up a profile in her name using her work and all of her details and portfolio on a freelancing platform she didn't have an account on. And that uh, scammer and impersonator was using her good name to pitch clients. And how she found out is that a client who found the dialogue a bit fishy on that platform reached out to her. Uh, sent her a message and asked her like, hey, this is, is this you? I thought this was a little off. Um, and that's how she realized that this whole thing had been going on without her realizing. And from my experience, I know that people are responsive to these kind of things. So to, you know, taking proactive behavior and just um, doing things before things get bad, only when they have a story that impacts them emotionally. So I thought that was a good moment. And plus I wanted to, so I published this guide um, in a community for freelancers, uh, one of my friends set up. And it honestly, it had a much bigger impact than I expected <laughs> in the sense that I've been doing cybersecurity content for six and a half years now. And right. it's usually, um, you know, it, 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 it has, there's some emotional distance there and it's difficult for people to connect emotionally to these abstract notions. So mm. what I try to do is to find that connection point and to find that trigger that gets people to pay attention and get people to see themselves through the eyes of, let's say, an adversary, uh, which yeah. kind of changes your perspective on things. Yeah, I mean, it, it uh, prompted me to read it purely because it said freelancers. And the, and the reason why it prompted me, the headline, was because I deal with a lot of freelancers and consultants and have done so for like 30-odd years. And pretty much... 98% of them have no idea about this stuff. And it amazes me because they care about their wallet. Not, not many, but they care about their wallet, but they don't care about their computers. And the computer, the email, your email address, in fact, your email mailbox is the most important thing um, anywhere. Uh, you could lose your wallet and you can get your cards back. If you lose your email credentials it's very hard to get everything that's connected with your email address back and th yes, this is the thing is that so i'm 
I'm trying to tell people, and I hope people who listen to this and watch this understand that not just email, but security is so important. Encrypt your hard drive. Make sure you have different passwords. This this is basically what you uh, talk about. And um, so when I read it in total, I'm just basically nodding like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk to this person. I want to know who she is. <laughs> so it was really cool um, to have this conversation with someone who does it for their job. I mean, this is this is what you do, right? Yes, yes, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that I have the opportunity to talk to people outside of the cybersecurity industry, because this industry in particular tends to have a very strong echo chamber. So we talk to each other, we know things are bad, we know what's going on, but we have a hard time getting outside of it. And that's because, and what I've realized over the past couple of years is that there aren't enough, enough people that are focused on communication in the sense of translating things so that you know, regular people like, you know, not you and me, because you're definitely an exception, but you know, regular people who are freelancers or whatever they do in their job, get this kind of, let's say, literacy, because Mm -hmm. it is fundamental. I mean, we can no longer separate our identity, our offline identity from our online one, no matter how we still feel about the separation, it does not exist anymore. And what impacts us in real life impacts our online lives and vice versa. And the more we ignore this, we're only making it more difficult for ourselves in the long run because the concept of identity, and that's what fascinates me, and you were talking about this earlier when you mentioned email, the concept of identity is changing and the way that we define not just our identity as humans, as individuals, but as humans in cyberspace and society in general, it's changing so much. It's influenced by so many things. And there are plenty of, let's say, mental models and, and ways to look at ourselves and what's going on around us that in cybersecurity work and again can really elevate your perspective and it can help you get grounded and also help you understand and navigate all of this complexity because it's not going to get easier no matter how much companies try to simplify things it's not going to get easy realistically speaking no it's definitely not and this is this is the the angle i'm coming from being in the tech space you know being in the tech space for 30 years and I've always liked simplicity, not minimalism, simplicity, although I call it tech minimalism because it was a buzzword. Um, simplicity. Uh, I used to call it laziness. And the thing is, what you, what you touched on saying we need to make people understand with basically common language, you know, being so knowing tech people and the, the, the reasons that they use tech is because they like the tech not because of the client needs it. And when I noticed that in early stages of my career, I'm like, okay, this is stupid because this person doesn't need this because it wasn't communicated properly. And I think communication, no matter where you are, I mean, if you're in a relationship, we're all in relationships one way or, or another. If the communication breaks down, everything basically explodes right so if you don't have the right communication doesn't matter where you are it's a huge problem and i love the fact that you talk about the communication because not many people do really not many people do and that's really strange because you as you said echo chamber we all talk about tech we all talk about um anything any it could be absolutely anything but if the person that you're trying to communicate it to doesn't understand those buzzwords and who are you talking to what's the point of it there's there's no reason to it and that's why i've never liked hacks i call them hacks Uh, i've never liked uh, creating uh, a space where people couldn't get the information that they wanted so I always mm. talk in normal language. I mean, like it, if, if, if it was a case of you have to put it in the bin, you have to do this because of this. Like, no, put it in the bin, empty the trash. It's freaking simple. It's not you don't have to over explain the, the thing. And often what I do and I found myself doing it, like, it sounds like I'm talking to a child sometimes, but it helps. I had a client call me talking about my my computer is full. And I'm like, well. 
I couldn't understand why, so I remoted in. They're putting stuff in the trash, but not emptying the trash for the past God knows how long. And I'm like, how can I explain this? So I've literally said, you have a trash can in your kitchen. Who comes and takes it out of your kitchen? Well, I do. Well, there you go. Right? Simple. Simple. And they appreciated it because they understood it. So clear, simple language matters a lot. And I'm going to start following a lot more now because of what you said as well. Because it, <laughs> it matters. Simple language matters. It definitely does. And I think that it's also simplifying language, but also finding that clarity and finding that mm. that that emotional trigger, not in the sense of manipulating people, but in no. the sense of striking that chord that means something to them. When I first started in cybersecurity, um, while well, working as a marketer in cybersecurity, there was very little content. There was like super technical content and then very superficial and fragmented content and not much in between. While a lot has changed over the last six years and there has been a substantial and exponential increase in, in the quantity and quality of content that's out there in terms of you know cybersecurity education and awareness and things like that, there are still there's still too much generic content that's made for everyone and talks to no one and speaks to no one. And most people preach. don't. I got to stop you. <laughs> preach. Carry on. Preach. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> uh, they will not. People will not listen to this. I what no. I what I try to always do is that I always talk to as many people as possible who are, you know, they're not my friends. They're not in tech like regular folk. And I try to understand, you know, what's bothering them and who they trust for advice because often more often than not tech and security, which is obviously part of technology, part of it, yeah. um, they will feel, they will make people feel incompetent and people don't like to feel stupid or unable to do things. And unless right. they feel capable of doing that thing, like whatever it is, you know, installing antivirus or, yeah. you know, start using a password manager or whatever it is. If they don't have that self-confidence, they're just going to reject it right away. And they're going to say like, this is not part of my identity. I'm not going to take on something that makes me feel less capable than I yeah. think of myself. Um, and it's, it's, it all boils down to human psychology. And what I love about this industry in particular is that it is packed with people who understand that, you know, human psychology is the most important element. Technology and cybersecurity is like 2% and the other 98% is getting processes right and communication yeah. right and, and yeah. things like that. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it's going back to the communication thing. If you're just talking in buzzwords and um, technical babble, which is what I call it. I mean, I'm in tech. I know all the babble. I still call it babble because even, you know, the funny thing is even some of it I don't understand. I've got to be honest. Sometimes when people talk in real tech, I'm like, dude, just say you're putting this phone from here to here. I mean, why are you using all this babble for? What's the point? I don't un If I don't understand it, how on earth do you think the average person who doesn't really care about it, they just want to know everything is safe, everything is secure, my computer works or whatever it is, how are they going to understand it if you can't explain it to me simply? To me, the tech yeah. guy, right? So yes. how are you, how are you, who, wait, who's employing you? How, how, how are you getting any work? You know, because... You know, as you say, in the past, well, you said six years, but obviously in the past 10, 15 years, computers have got so ingrained in our lives, the phones and so on. I mean, you can go back further than that. But um, but the, men, the, the, the thoughts of how people interact with them haven't changed so much. In the, and, and I see this because I'm feet on the ground talking to people all the time with my clients. Um, and when I change their minds and when, the, when they are um, open to the idea of working the way I would say work, not because I say so, because it's better for you, um, they're so happy with it. So I had one client who was just all over the place with the computer and stuff. She needed a new computer. So she bought a brand new computer. We changed everything so it was online, safe, secure, password, protected, etc. Her computer got stolen. And she was on the phone 
crying her eyes out. Oh my God, Kay, what can I do? Etc. I said, calm down, firstly. Secondly, everything's backed up. Everything is secure. Just go to the Apple store, pick up a computer, log in. Hour later, she called back and she said, oh my God, is that it? Is that all I have to do? Because now I have everything. She sent me so many chocolates. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. I'm like, yeah, it's not that hard. Once it's all set up, it's not actually that hard to set up. It's just whether you can do it or not, whether you want the help to do it. So it's not rocket science. It can actually be done without professionals doing it. But if you're not confident enough, you hire a professional to do it. I can build it. I mean, I've built cars. But you know what? I'd rather just take my car to a garage. So I, I'm confident to do it, but I'd just rather pay someone. So it's the same thing. But she was so happy because everything was safe. Everything was secure. We, we encrypted our computer. So there was no way that the person could ever use that computer again, et cetera, et cetera. And she was so happy about it. And it's happened a few times now um, since then. But again, it's really simple because of the communication between me and the per and the client explaining to her all of this stuff and calming her down and making sure that they understand where the data is, why we need to do this. So it was a hard, you know, it's a hard slog to change people's minds when they've had this 20 years of experience with IT people, right? Because I hate being called IT. I hate it to, with a passion. <laughs> so they have this, you know, notion of what an IT person is. And then when they work with me, they're like, you're not an IT guy. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. People have so many misconceptions that we need to work on, that we need yes. to address to make it feel like things are part of normality, that they're attainable. And I love success stories like these because when you get that feeling, when, when you have that initial panic that, yeah. oh, shit, something really bad has happened. Oh, wait, I have a backup. I have, like, all my stuff backed up. I have everything, you know, access, like, two-factor authentication. My accounts are protected. Then the, the, the just the feeling of release and of, of peace is, is just, it's exhilarating, honestly. And I, I've seen people do that. And honestly, it's happened to me as well because... At some point, I remember losing like a Google sheet with something that was super important. And I realized that obviously I had backed it up and everything went back to normal. And just in the, in the span of 30 seconds, I was like, yep. oh, wait, oh, everything's fine. It's cool. It's cool. I have this because past me <laughs> was careful <laughs> enough uh, about doing things. And to me, it is also people when you even the term cybersecurity feels alien and foreign yeah. and super yeah, complicated yeah. when in fact it is something well anything cyber related feels yeah. uh, a bit sci-fi still although we've like we've gone way past that the sci-fi <laughs> scenarios um but in fact there are simple things that you can do that only that that also play into simplicity so it's not just about it's like getting your ducks in a row it helps mm. you put things in order it helps you know where things are especially the most important things because that's what you want to prioritize like you know whatever super important documents you have um like client work that you don't want to lose and yeah. anyone who's lost work at some point or another knows that that is very very painful and you do not want that to happen um it, it's, it's a simple yeah sure <laughs> no, I was sorry. I, would, I didn't want to stop you, but you you said about um, keeping your clients' information safe, and that's so vitally important that freelancers mm -hmm. never understand. So um, again, I work with a lot of coaches and consultants, and they have a ton of information from their clients. So when you say to them, "Where are you keeping this stuff?" and they say, "On my Google, personal Google," and I'm like, "Uh oh." <laughs> You know, not not personal. Personal, you know, I think you know as well, Google, there's two Googles. There's the personal free one and then there's the paid one. And they, even though it's the same company, they're actually two different companies in the sense of uh, security and blah, blah, blah. They're completely separate. And a lot of people don't understand this either, which is, um, which is again, communication. Uh, because they say Google, I don't want to touch Google. Because I'm one of those people that I don't use any Google um um, products because of the don't be evil is turned into be evil 
so I don't use anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, I do, however, watch YouTube, and that's about it, really. Um, Yeah. But anyway, they don't know the difference between the paid Google and the unpaid. So when you say to them, actually, I have ethics of not using Google, but they don't. So Google uh, Workspace now it's called, it was called G Suite, is actually probably a really good product for, for a lot of these people to use, but not the free one. Mm-hmm. So when they say to you, well, well, you don't use Google, why should I? I'm like, that's a personal ethic issue. So this is, this is, the, this is my ethics. It's up to you if you want to use it. If not, we'll find something else, you know. So you have to think of those kind of things as well. Because I only recommend uh, things that I use. But then you, you, you have to think of the client and what their needs are as well. So it kind yes. of depends on how you do it. So if someone says, well, I need to use Microsoft Excel. I'm like, well, you have a Mac. You can use numbers. Why do you want to pay extra? Because I don't use I don't use it. If they say, well, I'm an accountant and I use macros. Yeah. Okay. You have to use it. Right. But I'm not like, no, don't use it. You have to, you know, no, you have to use the right tool for the right job. And if you have a specific job and a specific thing that you need to do with that app, just because I don't like it, I'm not forcing you not to use it. Right. Yes. But the security part of it matters. So again, Google, there's a good Google and a bad Google. <laughs> don't use the bad Google, but I just don't use the good Google. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And you, you brought up actually a, a, a conversation that happens very often in security, which is, uh, so first of all, to your point about using, you know, free Google accounts, I would just like to uh, remind whoever will be watching or listening that if you lose documents, Google will not be able to bring them back. I have seen this happen. They will not be able to bring them back if you're on a free plan. So when that, once that's gone and once you've deleted it, that's bye-bye. And you're not going to be able to retrieve it no matter how hard you try. So keep backups uh, and use a paid account. Um, the second thing is that to your point that we should recommend stuff that people can actually use and people actually need. In the tech space and in the security space, there's always the debate of, oh, if you want to be secure, you should use Linux. No one in their right mind will use (laughs) Linux. (laughs) No, we're not going to use that. That's absurd. You're not. (laughs) Why? Why would you want to make people's lives even more complicated than they already are? Let's try to teach people to just, you know, what's your setup? This is my setup. Okay, let's see what you can do. Like, what's the baseline? What are the baseline things you can do? to keep your stuff safe, like, hey, better passwords, things like that. We have, you know, there are so many simple solutions to use now that aren't even that expensive and they're totally worth the money, uh, especially in terms of password management. A password manager will simplify your life, make it more productive and take a big pain <laughs> off your back in terms yes. of, uh, of, of managing this stuff. And uh, also, so it doesn't matter which operating system you choose to use, whether on mobile or on your laptop or desktop, whatever it is, on your tablets, it's just important to try to figure out, you know, what's the best way that you can profit from that, you know, product or platform. Mm. Also in terms of security, no matter what that is. And no, Macs are not safe by default. (laughs) No, No, I, well... They're, they're a great system. They're still a great system. I switched to like the Apple ecosystem because of their focus on security. And I, I still like root for them in that direction. They're not perfect. No company is, but they're no. as, as they're, they're good enough for me. Like you mentioned for, there for you go. System. So if it's, if it's, this is what I tell people, if it's good enough for a cybersecurity expert, it's good enough for everyone else. And as you say, you, I mean, every, everything you have, it doesn't matter what it is you have to be security conscious about it. If you have a wallet, it's going to fall out of your pocket. Someone's going to steal it. Someone's going to RFID it. There's, they're going to, there's something's going to happen with it, right? That's why we pay insurance. It's not because necessarily because of the law, although it is illegal not to have a car insurance. But the point is, if you have insurance, mm-hmm. you're safe in the knowledge that that's your backup, right? This is the, the, the tech speak. We have a backup of our files, files and we have insurance just in case we crash our car so we can get our car back, right? It's kind of the same thing. So if you don't insure yourself, like you said, 
with your documents and, and, and personal information, then only you're, you're to blame, not anyone else, right? Because they're, they're not, yeah. there's so much information out there, good or bad, but at least you can get the basic information that you need. Going back to the Mac and PC thing, uh, yes, Linux, blah, blah, blah. Let's not go there because that to me is IT talk. But the Mac and PC, again, yes, Macs are way more safer than than PCs are purely because of the operating system, not because of the box itself. And what people don't understand is that PC stands for piece of crap, but that's my personal <laughs> belief. But, <laughs> but PCs are not, it's not a company. It's, it's a box that Microsoft has a license to put the operating system on. So those things don't work together just like an Apple does. An Apple, the operating system and the hardware work harmon harmoniously harm work well together oh, i can't say some words uh, <laughs> so they work really Sorry. well together so the so the the security part of it i would say is way better than the, the pc because because of that factor now there's still flaws there's still flaws and they're always constantly finding flaws it's like bugs in software they have to fix the holes um but you can encrypt your hard drive how do you do that push a button. It's encrypted. No one else can touch it, you know, and things like that, that the fact that they've made it so simple is so much more um, reachable by by non techies that mm -hmm. um, I mean, there were there was a time where I got fed up with Macs and PCs and I said, get a Chromebook, get get Google, blah, 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 and get a Chromebook because it's cheaper. And I've uh, told some parents because they don't like the Apple or the PC to get Chromebooks for their kids, um, because why not? Because a lot of schools here in Holland, they use um, Google ecosystem kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Get a Chromebook. There's nothing wrong with Chromebooks. But again, you have to secure yourself with it. It's the same with anything. Yes, yes, absolutely. And plus, there's so there are so many, you know, various uh, entry points to your personal identity, belongings and data. And besides like the operating system itself, you know, it's good to be in a secure ecosystem to have to, to, to realize what your kind of your main kind of castle that you're trying to protect is, whether it's your email address or your, you know, your Apple account or whatever your kind of main email address that ties into yeah. all of the other main accounts that you have, because that's how it starts. You yeah. use a weak password for your email and that gets cracked and you don't have like two-factor authentication enabled and they just, you know, attackers can just span out from there and reach all of the other accounts that you set up using that email address, including mm -hmm. your online banking account and so many other things. But while yes. the operating system can be safe, um, your browser is one of the most important entry points into your ecosystem ever. And that's often the least protected kind of piece of real estate that people have in the, their digital lives. So first of all, I would like to ask whoever is listening or watching to not store passwords in your browser. Please do not do it. <laughs> they are stored in plain text. You can like, if a malicious add-on or an add-on that was not malicious but turned malicious in the meantime you know people install add-ons for all sorts of things if that turns malicious it will the first thing that it'll do is it'll look for your passwords all of the passwords that you have saved in your in your browser and those are so easy to reach if you can see them you can imagine that someone who knows what they're doing is you know it has a much more like it, it's so much faster and easier for them to reach them and using those passwords well you can guess what they're going to do next but do not store passwords in your browser i've seen people in security companies do this and it broke my heart <laughs> and I know. because yeah. often often people don't eat their own dog food often people even in security companies because they're still people and they're still you know available <laughs> yeah. um they will not practice what they preach and i i i, I am very adamant about this I, I strongly believe that you cannot be you know persuasive when you're trying to help other people in this direction if you don't do things yourself because you don't know how they feel you don't know how the switch feels you don't know you know what kind of questions pop up in your head and things like that so please don't store passwords in your browser and second of all when you get 
you know, whatever security suite that you decide to use, use their browser add-ons. They almost, I mean, all of the good ones have browser add-ons and they yeah. will filter the traffic coming into your browser and stop malicious pages and ads and even like malicious software that sits behind infected websites that you can't see and that actually infects your, you know, your device without you noticing or clicking yep. on anything or doing anything. And, you know, the bad guys, there's this, this saying in cybersecurity that I really um, feel explains the entire situation quite well, which is the bad guys only need to hack you once, once. and you yep. have to protect all of those, you know, entry points to your system. And if you're just leaving, like your browser is like just, you know, leaving the door open for them or a window open, like you go on holiday and leave your window open. Well, it's true. <laughs> you're yeah, going to have a bad true. time. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Especially and if you post about it on social media. <laughs> yeah, which no, which you shouldn't do. No, I mean, it's true because the, the, you, you're using the web browser. I mean, the amount of people that use what I call the wrong browser, uh, but a lot of people like it. Um, uh, please don't use Google Chrome. <laughs> um, I use Safari. It's built in. Now, you brought a, brought up an interesting point, but there's a dis there's a distinction between the browser um, holding your passwords and a password manager working through a browser. Right. So one password is something I use. There's LastPass. There's a few others. I use one password. Uh, because it's, I've used it from the beginning of them, whatever. Anyway, um, however, Safari, even though it stores part, even though it gives you the ability to store passwords, it doesn't store them in the browser because the Mac has the keychain, which is a secure mm. password manager, effectively. So not all browsers are the same. Um, I just want to I just want to make sure that that's out there because Chrome does hold it in the browser <laughs> and it does hold it in plain text. And I think Firefox also does it. I mean, they all do it. Yeah. The only one yes, that doesn't yes. do it from what I understand is Safari because it's built with the software and hardware in mind. But it's but it's built into the operating system, the keychain. So even though if you so if you're. If you are using a Mac, the built-in one for Safari works. I'm not saying Safari is fallible. I mean, there's some problems with Safari as well that they, you know, they're finding, but that's like bugs in any piece of software. Um, and the other thing I like about Safari, even though people think, you know, Apple walled garden, you can't do much. It's kind of to protect you, but it is an annoyance as well to a certain degree for people who like to change things and manipulate and you know stuff like that but those manipulations like in android devices can be exactly right can be hacked and etc so yeah i don't like people messing with the shit that i buy i.e apple let me do what i want to do however there's the other side of it whereas they're actually doing it for two reasons one for their own financial gain blah 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 to keep in, in your system but they're also doing it because it's actually safer to do it that way as well mm -hmm. so i'm not saying they're they're good but yeah that that's a very good point and security is a compromise it'll always be i think one of the most difficult things and one of the biggest challenges of our let's say era and going forward is to figure out how to get security to be usable and to be that invisible layer that's built into the system, but doesn't add friction points like we have now, when you lose your password, you have to retrieve it, you have to go to your email and go through a bunch of hoops to, you know, get stuff done. But at the same time, we must realize as adults that we are, <laughs> that there will be some compromises that we have to make, because I feel like Gamification and in making things super simple has sometimes led to kind of infantilize people. They, they yes. just, you know, treat people like kids and yes. not, not, not give them, you know, the responsibility that they have. Security is a shared responsibility. The tag that you use has, of course, terms of use that no one reads that, you know, <laughs> give you your share of responsibility. And I feel like, um, you know, 
it's it's of course it's one thing to try to make things simpler and smoother uh and you know less you know friction <laughs> creating yeah. and things like yeah. that but it's another thing to to try to you know get people to feel like they don't have to do anything at all because that will breed responsibility and it will breed a false sense of security that so many people live with generally and that leads to more security issues than we realize you know people just not thinking like sure i'm no. gonna send all of these sensitive documents via whatsapp it's yeah. secure it says it's encrypted yeah <laughs> what yeah. could happen <laughs> no it's crazy i mean it's it's things like we transfer um i know lawyers who send stuff through we transfer i'm like dude are you serious i mean this is no you shouldn't do that because they store it and they can mm. access the files. Now, if it's a file sending it, sending a dog picture to your granddad or whatever it is, yeah, whatever. But lawyers, doctors who use WeTransfer and, and uh, Dropbox, they're not great for security either. The thing is, I'm not a cybersecurity expert in any shape or form. But because being, I've been in tech from, from the age of 103, <laughs> from a long time ago, um, I know how it's... Uh, transpired and I know how to protect myself because I've always been in tech since I was like eight years old but uh, but a lot of people just don't get it and as you say they want the simplicity of it but I turn it back and throw it back at them so I say to mm. them if you lose your bank card and someone picks it up and goes to the bank would you be happy if the bank says oh you've got the card yeah no problem this is your account here's your pin number you wouldn't be happy about that, right? You wouldn't because your bank is gone. Not because because you wanted the simplicity of, I just want my pen. Can you just give it to me over the counter? You know it's me. No, it doesn't work like that. They have to post it to you. So I'm, I want to ag advocate um, companies posting <laughs> your email password because so, it's never going to happen. But yeah, I mean, that's where we've got to now. So yeah, the simplicity of it, the, th making things simple is very hard, right? However, oh, it is the hardest. <laughs> it's the hardest. However, people sometimes make things, or companies sometimes make things simple because it's easy for them to make it simple. But that doesn't mean security wise, it's good, right? which is exactly what yes. you're saying. And, and simplicity, if you want to get it, if you want to do it right, is really freaking difficult, really freaking difficult. It um, is, and it can leave loopholes like this one. So when you mentioned the bank example, there's actually a type of attack that preys on telecom operators' inability to have secure processes for um, transferring wow. your phone number to a different SIM. They're called SIM swap attacks, and right. what an attacker will do is that they will call your telecom with information that they can easily find about you online. And yeah. if your telecom provider doesn't have like strong authentication mechanisms to validate that that's you, you know, with multiple details, and if you've posted those details on the internet or they got leaked in some way or form, you know, cyber criminals can easily get those about you and they will call the telecom operator and say like, hey, can you transfer, you know, this phone number to a different SIM? And at some point, you know, you realize that, hey, I don't have a signal when what's going on with my phone number. And by the time you realize that this is happening and you figure out a way to get it back and, you know, block this camera and so on, they will have already used your phone number to maybe get those two-factor authentication codes and log into your email or your online banking account and every other, you know, things that they can use uh, through your phone number, which is also core part of our identity along with our email. And you might say like, hey, yeah, but I don't have that much money to my account or, you know, my, like, my cards are empty. What can they do with that? They can use them for money laundering. Yes. They will use your empty accounts to transfer money that they have, you know, made through illegal activities like cybercrime or ransomware or a bunch of other things. And you mm. will become you know, part of an part of illegal it. operation. Exactly. Yeah. And you can face charges and all those sorts of things. So yes, you can be a target and be a victim, even if they have, in theory, nothing to steal from you. They will find a way to use you 
and their operations because that's what they do. That's their business model. The thing is, it's easy. It's easy for them to do it. It's easy money. And this is what people don't understand. Oh, it won't happen to me until it happens to you. It's happened to someone I know very close to me, um, his uh, wife, girlfriend, whatever, his partner um, called me and said, I just got a call and they wanted to log into my computer. I was like, you didn't, did you? She said, well, yeah. And I was like, but you know me. Why would someone else call you for a computer? So she was on the phone. And as soon as they said, give the credit card number, she actually started reading it out the credit card. And I'm like, you didn't give all of it. I said, no, because I thought it was fishy. So I didn't give them the last four digits, luckily, luckily. And I'm like, this is, I mean, the person... They, they're not stupid people, these people. They, I mean, you know, they're not stupid people. But anyone could be duped. This is the thing. This is why these cyber criminals are so freaking clever that, that you don't expect that. I had a client who's, what you just said about SIM swap happened to him. And I'm like, well, uh, and he called me to say, can you help me? I'm like, well, I'm no cybersecurity guy, but I'll help what I can. Let's change all your passwords everywhere. Let's start with that first. And we did, and luckily nothing else was changed, but they were trying to get into his um, his bank account. That's what they were trying to do. And someone else called me about their, they said, um, I, can't, I couldn't log into my LinkedIn and I couldn't understand why. And what they did, he had a Hotmail account or something. So they duped something or whatever. They got into the Hotmail and luckily all they did was they created a rule. This is so clever. They created a rule that said anything about Hotmail, ransomware, whatever, just got deleted or got archived automatically. So even though you could use the, the, the email, you wouldn't see those emails coming in. And what they did went, went into their um, LinkedIn account and sent a bunch of messages so they were literally just getting into the LinkedIn account without him knowing, basically. Yeah, yeah. Without him a lot seeing of that the can emails. Oh, it's crazy. And those they can do anything. Are, are, yeah, the examples are so powerful because they show us that, first of all, we can be the victims, but maybe what hurts most is that people we care about can become victims because of us or through us you know using us as a stepping stone yeah. and we're talking about you know children have their identity stolen and their yes. futures compromised people open up you know this mostly happens in the states but because you know in europe we have a much more bureaucratic society which sometimes helps us especially in terms of security it, it's mm. painful to live with it but at least we have that going for us yeah. but in the us when people you know when when scammers and cyber criminals steal children's identities and they set up credit cards and loans in their accounts and you know you realize that your 13 year old child now has like, Mercedes. Thousands, tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> in debt exactly yeah. and you know all uh, like loan sharks come to your door and try to you know get their money back and it just it can get so messed up with consequences that are really long term even when data breaches happen so they happen today but their effect is cumulative yeah. and the more data leaks about you the easier it is for them to compound all this data and to profile you like really deeply and to automate attacks against billions of people because that's what happens. And I guess that, you know, we may be, you know, people in countries that don't have English as their primary language were mostly sheltered up until a few years ago when cyber criminals started translating and adapting their emails and their tactics <laughs> and making them really professional, like not too many grammar errands, not too many yeah. Nigerian princes. Yeah. <laughs> I still oh, no, get those emails. I, you know, yeah. I started replying to them. This is the hilarious thing oh, that when I when I was using, I when I was using Facebook years ago, years and years ago, before it became the stupid thing it is now. Um, I used to get lots of spam uh, messages, and I was like, you know what? I'm never going to stop this. So let's play play with them. And unfortunately, I didn't keep them, but they're all they were all on my. Uh, Facebook account at the time so I was just posting so you just play with them so what I started doing 
was reply with absolute and utter gibberish. Like things like, yes, I would like to buy your goats, but only if one of them had three feet. But I'm not sure if they could use a telephone because if they can use a telephone, they might be able to phone E.T. And it's not possible to be able to buy a bunch of corn and just complete nonsense. And you reply and they would just sometimes reply back and then you will reply again and after two replies they'll just leave you alone and they'll take you off the email list because that email account still <laughs> exists but <laughs> they're like okay this guy's crazy so that's how i personally i'm not saying it works i'm just saying it worked for me and i wouldn't recommend doing this <laughs> but it did <laughs> it did work for me uh, it was sometimes hilarious. Sometimes it is fun to do. Sometimes it is fun to do, but yes, I, I also recommend like just mark it as spam and just mark it as spam. email address. But yeah, yes, we're, we're professionals. Let us do it. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're, at least we know what we're getting into. So yes, right. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy yes. how you can really confuse them, but they are really clever, as you say. Their their language has changed. The way they are. Uh, communicating and a lot of the times what I've noticed that because there's a lot of YouTube channels that I watch um, guy called Ben something he goes after the scammers in Pakistan and India mm -hmm. and stuff like that brilliant videos because he does stuff with the BBC as well and they are so the, the scammers I'm talking about they're so sophisticated that they hire people in the country to receive the money so they don't have foreign accents and things like this. You know what I mean? So they can't be yep. deemed as, um, you know, um, illegitimate and stuff like this. They're getting very, very clever about this kind of stuff. It is. And with all the information we're willingly disclosing about ourselves online, it, we're just making it super easy for them. I mean, even burglars go on Facebook <laughs> yes. and see... When people are leaving on vacation because they're posting their plane yeah. tickets, please do not do this. <laughs> and know. they know exactly like how long they're going to, you know, not be home and where they've left and all of the other details. And we're just making like you're inviting them into your it's, home. It's, be it's a an, little. It's, it's, yeah. It's an open <laughs> invitation. So, OK, let's go through this because someone asked me this. My One of my first um, conversations I had with um Sebastian, actually, because he was amazed that I don't use Facebook, WhatsApp, blah, 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 all this stuff. Let's go. Let, let's ask you do, you. do you use any of those products, those platforms? I do not use. So I, I closed my Facebook account years ago. Same with Instagram. I before I deleted them, I you can basically delete all of the geotags on Instagram, at least you used to be able to do that, but it's been years. So I don't know if they still have that option, but if you want to go back, if you want to still keep using Instagram, but you want to like delete all of your check-ins, you can go and have all of that data Wipe wiped out. out. I don't, yeah. I don't use those anymore. And it's been a massive burden lifted from my life and I work <laughs> yeah. in marketing and People ask me, you know, not too many people, because people now understand nowadays, you know, why mm -hmm. I've decided to do this. But when I when it first, you know, when I first closed my accounts like years ago, um, a few people asked me, but how are you going to work in marketing <laughs> if you're not on Facebook? Like That's the internet, crazy. it is so extensive. There are so many places on the internet where you can talk to people that are not Facebook uh, yeah. and the other ones. And yeah, I haven't been able to move like my parents from whatsapp yes. to signal unfortunately I, yeah. I it's it's difficult but i've taught them like a couple of things that have stuck with them things like if you receive like strange messages or receive promo or things like that send it to me first i'll take a look at it i'll tell you if it's okay to click or yeah. not so they do that which which is really good um but i try to keep my setup to a minimum. So even though okay. I have a much larger digital footprint than most people, simply because I've been working in digital marketing for over 10 years, mm. and it's just, it is part of my life. It is something that I've done knowingly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah, know yeah. what I, I, I took extra precautions to protect myself, but um, I try to keep things minimal. I try to keep my, let's say, identity small in the sense of, you know, not oversharing. I don't, I never like to posting pictures from my home or things like that. 
And I always, I look at these bloggers and influencers and they're like, you're just mapping out your home to millions of people. (laughs) This is not healthy in any way. (laughs) No, I mean, the the thing, (laughs) I mean, with with me, the, the only social networks I use, actually use is Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'll probably post my feet out of the window or something. Same with Twitter. But have I, I mean, I record in my office. Um, so I, I used to also use Twitter, Instagram, or, you know, all of that stuff back 10 years ago kind of thing. But I started uh, thinking, do I need to? What am I gaining from it? And Well, now, but, you know, five years ago, why the fuck am I giving my details to to these these companies? Right. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a strong believer in owning your own audience. So if anything happens to any social media, I can still work. Right. Because something happened to me back in 2009 via Google. And I was like, whoa. Work has stopped. What's going on? Because I put my eggs in one basket, which was Google Ads. Google went to evil. I stopped using them. Um, Facebook went to evil. I don't use any of their products. Um, On a security uh, point of view, um, it's very rare for me to post check-ins. Actually, I don't now. I used to have, I mean, Foursquare was a big thing um, as well. Yeah. It's a huge thing. But the only thing I posted there was... I'm in my office, but everyone knew my office because I had a walk-in thing. So that wasn't a big deal, but I wouldn't post anything else or not too much. And then I started realizing about this own your audience. Why am I giving my data away? Then it turned into, wait a minute, this is a security issue, (laughs) not an own your audience issue. It's a security issue. Um, But it ties in together. Everything ties in together. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they do tie in together, but that's that's how I that's how I moved it from one to the other, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. First, I thought about um, uh, uh, a ethics issue for me, kind of thing, and then I turned it into a security issue. But it is actually both, effectively. It is. It is both, and it affects us society wide because right now we're we're obviously the cliche with the speed of transformation and things like that. Mm. But besides that, the societal impact that technology has now is so deep and it brings on so many ethical dilemmas and ethical issues. Like you mentioned that we need to fix because otherwise not that we need to fix, but because we're never going to be able to fix them as a whole, but at least keep them in check. So we don't end up living in a dystopia that we've seen in movies. And it's fun when you get to leave at the end of the movie, but not if you end up living in in that kind of society. Exactly, exactly. So I strongly believe, so I don't, you know, tech literacy and the security part that comes with that is not optional. It is essential. It is, and it's even more important for the younger generations who are born with technology that don't know what the world looks like without it. We have, you know, having been these generations that know what life looked like before the internet, we have some sense of, let's say, a different understanding of social relationships and and things like that and interaction and what's artificial and what's authentic and things like that. And I think we have a, a stronger radar of knowing when things like really drift from, you know, they, they become like really divergent with what is healthy. Um, but kids don't have that. They were born, they think this is normal to be constantly connected. And like you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, our brain, our biology has not evolved to keep up with these things. And no. that's where we're dealing with so much anxiety and so much pressure. And Lord, I'm just happy I'm not a teenager in 2021 because oh, wow. it sucks. <laughs> it does suck. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the thing is, I'm so lucky that I was born back in the 60s, <laughs> late 60s, that I could go outside and play with sticks and not worry about, does some, you know, is there a like w- waiting for me? Is there a heart waiting for me? Did someone... <laughs> Did my stick playing go it go viral or whatever? I'm so glad of that because yes. uh, because we we shouldn't care about that. 
And that's not how kids, people, forget kids, that's how people shouldn't be living. We're living in a society where we're waiting for confirmation of what we're doing rather than actually doing what we need to do, which is live our lives. Our life shouldn't be, I mean, you know, I have this thing where life should be, sorry, I have this saying where basically work should be incidental to life and life shouldn't be incidental to work. And social media mm. now plays a big role to that because life should be the main thing. So social media should be just in a, a, a plaything that's incidental. It shouldn't be your main focus. And but people inf influencers and I fucking hate that saying, but influencers have m created this like you say, this this um, vision of how the world is, which isn't true, which is basically like adverts and magazines. There, there were restrictions on those things. And I think restrictions should happen on the Internet to a certain degree as well. The, the thing is, the Internet, you know, I was there at the beginning <laughs> as well. And it was such a beautiful thing. It was like, wow, I can send this file to my friend. I can text. I can what? I can do this now instead of sending a letter. This is awesome. And it's turned into this closed system where these big tech companies have basically said, this is my area. This is that, you know, this is my area. This, and they've changed the landscape of what, of what the Internet was supposed to be. And I wished and I, I really do wish or wished that Tim Berners-Lee did charge a nano cent every time someone used www not for the money for him because he didn't want that uh, what he wanted was the world wide web to be free and open unfortunately and not blaming him he didn't charge for it because he wanted it to be open but if he had charged for it that money would have gone into not the crap that we have now the that education is true. The, the 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 different kind of infrastructure, the lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. He would ha he would be the richest guy on the planet, basically, if it uh, if that happened. But then again, c c would it have been? Would the internet be as big as it is if he did do that? Because then some people probably would see not. It. Probably, probably not. not. That's that's a a different timeline, and I think that it is. Mm. It, the internet, I still think about. You know, you mentioned you know just being able to play outside without any kind of afterthoughts whatsoever. Right. I was in college and I didn't have a smartphone in college and it was the best experience. I did right. not feel compelled to check anything. And I, I gave a class at a, a master's program like two years ago in person and 80% of the kids were staring down their phones. They're like this. And because yeah. it was the first time for me like doing this in front of students, I could not muster up the courage to say like, you know what? If you don't get off your phone, get the fuck out because I'm not taking this. <laughs> oh, I wish I you did. Here. Oh, I wish you yeah, did. Yeah, <laughs> I wish you did as well. But if I'm going to do that again, if that happens again, I promise that I will tell Record them. It. Record it. Record it. It'll go viral. <laughs> no. We'll make it go viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no i do not want to go viral please do not but yes the the internet is a magical thing and i still appreciate it so much because because of the internet and and because of you know due to twitter which i love it's my favorite social network i've met the best people there yeah we're having this conversation now mm. and it's just it's changed my life in so many ways it's made me a better person in so many ways but it also scares the crap out of me because yeah. i feel like things Things are are we're we're losing control of things, and we're losing control in the sense that too much power is in too few hands, and that's never good for anyone ever. And what Tim Berners Lee wanted to do with the internet was avoid specifically that to keep the internet free and decentralized and and you know independent of political control. But as the humans that we are, as the species that we are, politics yeah. always gets greed. everywhere. Greed. <laughs> it's greed. It's it's not just politics. It's more to do with greed. It starts with greed and then turns into politics. And it's always greed. Doesn't matter what country you're in, doesn't matter how high you are, it's it's, you know, my balls are bigger than yours and I want more money and it's greed. That's that's basically it. And and that's the unfortunate thing. But anyway, um, hey, this has been an awesome, awesome chat. I'm definitely, we're gonna definitely going to do this again, especially if you, 
<laughs> especially if you record the get the fuck out my room <laughs> we'll talk about that definitely as well but hey honestly it was a great chat it time flies because i can't i can't believe it's been an hour already but um <laughs> when you enjoy a chat the time time flies hey again thanks again it is so true have a great day and i'll talk to you soon Thank you. Thank you, too. This has been incredible. And I feel like this renewed sense of energy. And it is so nice to talk to people like fighting the good fight and trying to help others. I think that is one of the best things that we can do with our lives in general. So thank you for this. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see you later. Ciao.